To be working in this space right now is a quite exciting time. I'm very proud of being part of a movement of people that are really engaged in sustainability and that there's so much happening. Just this feeling that maybe right now the world is waking up in a way that we haven't previously. Everyone who's involved in different topics of sustainability, we're finally starting to see that there's still a fantastic amount of things going on. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Clean Air and our special mini-series on Camphill's new global network of chief ergonomic officers. My name is Dusty Rhodes. Today we're talking about the different dimensions of sustainability, how it improves our lives, our business and our planet and how clean air is a crucial part of that mix. A man with a really interesting point of view on this has been advising businesses worldwide for over 20 years on how to integrate sustainability principles into their strategy and operations, resulting in more efficient operation of the company and helping the organisation be kinder to the planet. A versatile trainer, strategist, project manager and analyst who's about to connect the dots between the detail and the big picture for us. It's a pleasure to welcome Richard Bloom to the podcast. Richard, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. You are a co-founder of the Sustainability Collaborative. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that organisation and what the vision is? Well, our, our goal is to aim for a world of abundance. How do we get um, everyone on planet Earth having a good quality of life? And the focus of the Sustainability Collaborative is really to compile expertise and find different areas of expertise to, to create teams and help uh, clients work with sustainability in a strategic and holistic uh, sense. Hmm. Um, and the organisation, the Sustainability Collaborative, is part of a network, the Natural Step Network. So we work with the methods and the framework that the Natural Step has pioneered over uh, the last couple of decades. So when you say a world of abundance, what do you mean? So a world of abundance. Well, I mean, I think this is another way of um, getting away from the, the incremental uh, being slightly better uh, perspective to actually thinking about it, uh, sustainability and uh, the future we're aiming for in a more positive sense. We have enough doom and gloom in the world with all the issues going on, whether it's social or the climate crisis or uh, even what's going on with the, the economy at the moment. Uh, so having this aspiration that, you know, we, we can do better, we can aim for something that's much more positive than the way we talk about a lot of these topics today. A lot of what you talk about is also very science-based. There's a kind of a science-based definition of sustainability. What is that? Well, uh, <laughs> there's lots of definitions of sustainability. <laughs> I think um, if many people understand this. It's an ongoing discussion about is sustainability just a fluffy term or can you define it using science? So I think maybe the first thing is um, sustainable development has been defined as a journey about meeting the needs of the present without undermining the, the ability of future generations to meet, the, meet their needs. That's been around uh, since the late uh, 1980s. Uh, what I think we've got to now is an understanding that it's not just about a journey of being slightly better. It's about getting to a world where human activity is aligned with the way natural and social systems function. Hmm. So what's a healthy planet and how can society exist on a healthy planet without having all sorts of social ills. From that perspective, what you can get to then is almost defining sustainability by what it is not. So what is everything that's unsustainable? Can we define the constraints for that? Mm -hmm. And then that's almost like the boundary conditions for a sustainable society. 
So uh, essentially what we promote uh, from the natural step and the framework that we work with has a set of three ecological sustainability principles and five social sustainability principles. Uh, so we work with those principles. I can go into them in a bit more depth, but the, the basic idea is really to try and simplify the complexity of sustainability using science and then distilling that into principles. And then we can use these principles as almost reference criteria to check whether we're moving in the right direction or not. Let's dive in then a little bit deeper then and talk about the principles of sustainability. There's, there's, there's three pillars. Can you take me through those uh, one by one? Okay, sure. So the, the three pillars there is sort of the, the simple way to talk about the different aspects of sustainability and not forget that it's not just about the environment, it's people, planet, a profit, or that prosperity is another way. That's at a high level, but if you want to be operational and then start to figure out how do you work with those three pillars, you need to be a bit more structured. Uh, so that's where the having a set of sustainability principles can help. Mm. And there are three ecological sustainability principles, and they are related to the different ways that humans are undermining the planet, basically, natural systems. So I'll start with the ecological there. And the first one is about the flow of materials that we dig out of the ground, the earth's crust. And we, uh, we dig out fossil fuels, we dig out heavy metals, and we allow them to be released into nature. And that causes all sorts of forms of pollution from heavy metals or um, it could be minerals that are causing the lakes to get blue-green algae, or it could be greenhouse gases building up in the atmosphere. So that's the first principle. It's a mechanism. We need to be smarter about how we uh, dig things out of the Earth's crust and how we manage them in society without releasing the pollution. The second principle there is about the chemicals and waste that we release from society. So this is where there's a lot of uh, synthetic chemicals that nature doesn't know how to process, and we just release them out to, to nature, or we create synthetic products that uh, release emissions that could be indoor air quality issues or they could be basically other types of emissions building up in soils or nature or any form of mm. nature, basically. And the third mechanism there or the third principle is about how we destroy or physically remove ecosystems through land clearing, through over-extraction of resources, for example, fisheries. All of that is about physically removing nature. On the social sustainability principles, there are five principles and they relate to structural obstacles or barriers, if you can say it like that, to health, our ability to have influence in the systems that we're part of, our need for competence development, learning, going to school, that sort of thing, mm. being treated equally, so impartial treatment of people, and the pursuit of meaning. If we as an organization uh, don't look after our employees or we create products that cause customers harm, then we could be having some sort of impact on social sustainability against one of these five characteristics. From what you are saying there, uh, it sounds like kind of you're, you're looking for perfect marriage and the two people who are in the marriage are humankind and the way that we live and nature. And we're all sharing this house that we call Earth. Yes, and we have a, a younger sibling there as well, uh, the economy as well. So uh, we often talk about these three pillars of uh, sustainability with um, 
economic sustainability, social sustainability and ecological sustainability. There are many different views on how, how these three fit together. It's kind of, you see models where they're seen as overlapping and we want to have economic and then a little bit of environment and social on the side. But I think we've got to a point now where we're trying to address all three of these aspects of sustainability in an integrated way. I guess the, the economy is a social construct. We can change our economy. We can't really change the laws of nature. So there's a slight difference there in the, the hierarchy, I guess. Now, you've done a lot of work with small business and you work with a, like small, medium. You've worked with Fortune 500 companies and governments as well. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the work that you do? Sure. Everything, I think, starts with how, how do you get organizations to uh, create a shared language around what does sustainability mean for them? And that's, again, where going back and uh, building a shared understanding using this, these sustainability principles, that's the core of what we do is awareness raising. Uh, but then from that perspective of building a shared understanding, you can also get to a point of creating a shared vision. So we work with everything from the vision and the strategy to uh, assessment, doing baseline assessments, looking at everything from products to uh, supply chain or internal matters in a company. The process that we use follows four main steps. It's, we call it ABCD. It's not very uh, mm. rocket science in the name, but the, the idea is to try and keep it very simple. Mm -hmm. Awareness and vision. So awareness of what is sustainability and where are we aiming for is the first step. Uh, and how can an organization set its long-term goals in the frame of this knowledge of sustainability? The B is for baseline, assessing where we are in relation to where we need to be. Uh, so not measuring ourselves against the past, but measuring against where we need to get to, to be a sustainable business, looking into the future. Uh, the third is about coming up with creative solutions. So that's, again, a creative process to get people involved in uh, thinking about ideas. And the fourth is bringing it down into action. And that's where it's really important to bring in the business case and prioritize actions and ideas in short, medium and long term perspective, but mm. also in terms of things that we can assess against the sustainability principles. So we might have an idea that we think is really good on climate, but it's really bad on another topic. So that's where, again, having these criteria and these principles can help you start to screen ideas in terms of whether they really are moving in the right direction. Mm. Uh, also looking at it from a, like a perspective of, is it a, a single solution or can we see a path for future improvement? And uh, what is the, what's the business case for it? And this can also be applied, especially for anybody who's thinking of becoming a, a, an air economics officer or a CAO, because if that boils down, you can apply that to governments, but you can also apply it to a single person. If I'm in a company, uh, I would need to think of awareness, as you say, which is the A, uh, about what's around me. The, the baseline is kind of, well, where is it that I want to go with this situation that I'm in? I love the creative solutions bit. Because it's kind of like, it's not just looking for solutions. It's like, well, let's take a blank sheet of paper and look at all of the different things that could be done. And then, of course, the, the D, is, I suppose, is decisions, really, isn't it? And, and actions that you make. So A, B, C, D, it's a brilliant way of uh, explaining it. Uh, can you tell me, with that process that you have, what would you say is the biggest success or the thing that you've been proudest of in the last year or two? Oh, very good question. I think the fact that right around the world, and now I'm talking generally, I think that I'm very proud of being part of a movement of people that are really engaged in sustainability and that there's so much happening. Just this feeling that 
maybe right now the world is waking up in a way that we haven't previously. And that I think is something that everyone, for example, the chief economics officers, everyone who's involved in different topics of sustainability, we're finally starting to see that there's, despite all the problems in the world, there's still a fantastic amount of things going on. I guess at a general level, what I think I'm quite proud of to, to be working in this space right now is a quite exciting time. Okay, so let's talk about clean air and the link between clean air and sustainability. You've mentioned the uh, the three pillars of sustainability. Can I start with the environment and kind of aligning our activity, as you were saying, as human beings and the cycle of nature? Can you tell me more about that? Sure. The major environmental sustainability issues that we face in the world today are connected to some basic um, mechanisms. So the first mechanism, and this is where we'll see the link to clean air here, the the first thing that we're doing from, from a human perspective is we dig materials out of the Earth's crust. And those substances that we dig out of the Earth's crust are increasing in concentration in the atmosphere and in in the biosphere where we live. So if you think of the things that we dig out of the ground, uh, we dig out heavy metals, we dig out fossil fuels, we dig out all sorts of minerals, and then we use them in society and then they get released to the environment. And then that contributes to air pollution, for example. There are other forms of pollution, but if we talk just about air pollution, you can see then clearly the burning Mm. of fossil fuels is contributing to air pollution. Another one that I think is really relevant here with clean air is what humans do in society. We have, we've learned to uh, chemistry and all sorts of things. And now we have the ability to create new chemical substances that don't naturally exist in nature. Mm. So living organisms are not used to many of the chemical substances we, that we create. And that's where we have many of the indoor air quality issues are connected with synthetic chemicals that, that, that we put into products that are used in society. Uh, so these synthetic and man-made substances are also systematically increasing in the environment, basically, indoor environment, but also generally in the, in the biosphere where we all live. That is also the, another major source of um, air pollution is connected to these novel entities as they're sometimes also known. So in order to make a change, we have to change our behavior. But as we all know, <laughs> money is the root of all evil, as, as they say. But the money and economy and, and, and how we get on and the barter system and cash, and it, I mean, it's hugely important. So we kind of have to take the economy into account when we are looking at a solution. Am I right? Yes, uh, of course. And there's, you know, you can look at it from... Um, you can see the cost of air pollution, mm. in, uh, but you can also see what what is the cost of cleaning air. And I know, for example, Camphill work a lot with this, where they look at the total cost of ownership as an example to think about, okay, in order to, to clean air in a building, we need a, a ventilation system, mm. and then there's energy used for that ventilation system. So how can we filter the air at the most efficient way possible? Uh, and then there's a cost for the energy that's used. And there's also, by the way, a carbon cost for, for, for filtering that air. Uh, I think there are other aspects around who causes the pollution and who pays for the, the, the cleaning of it. That also touches on equity issues as well. So that's where you start to see everything starts to be interconnected. 
So anything that we're trying to do then to correct what we have been doing with the planet has to make economic sense. And that's kind of like the third or the second pillar of sustainability. Uh, the third pillar then is, is people and society. And you're kind of talking about or you've mentioned structural obstacles. When, when you say structural obstacles, are you talking about like literally buildings or are you talking about, well, that's the way we've always done things? So structural obstacles are more about conditions in the way we operate as society. Mm-hmm. We exist in a society as a system, if you say it like that. That's what a society is. It's like we, uh, we're not all hunter-gatherers anymore. We depend on each other and we become very specialised. Uh, but then in this society, there are all sorts of things that we need to take care of in order to keep the social system healthy, if you say it like that. Addressing structural obstacles is a way to ensure the health of a social system. Mm. So that, that's where you can get into different aspects of social sustainability. And there's a lot more research coming out on this all the time as we learn more and more about what does it mean to be socially sustainable. One of the biggest problems we have at the moment with sustainability, it, I mean, it's global warming and it's the air that's literally around us. So, so like, how important is this air that's around us to solving the problem? You're right. One of the biggest types of air pollution at the moment is carbon dioxide uh, or greenhouse gases building up in the atmosphere. We don't often talk about that as clean air or polluted air, mm. but if you take it from a, like a, a science or the cycles of nature and the balance of our, our biosphere, it is a source of pollution. So I think it's quite critical that we, we treat this, the pursuit of clean air, as also the pursuit of clean air with the lowest possible carbon impact so that we're not cleaning the air and then also contributing to global warming, for example. I think you can look at the, the benefit of an air filtration system so the, the positive handprint of the product or a, a filter system, hmm. and then the cost of producing a product in terms of environmental burden or emissions in the life cycle of a product. And that's sort of offset against the benefit of the filter itself. Hmm. Uh, so that's why I think we, in, in this whole area of sustainability, it's really important that we take a life cycle perspective and, and look at how to provide solutions to any type of customer uh, with the lowest life cycle cost, basically. So if I'm managing a facility and uh, air is my responsibility, I should be looking at the value of the system and the filters that go into it. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think the most important thing, if, if you're thinking of it from a building management perspective, is to think about getting the best product with the highest energy efficiency rating in a way, uh, because yours, in that case, you're going to be using uh, less energy to filter the air. This is what all businesses are trying to do now is to think about how can they provide a solution to a customer, uh, depending on where they are in a value chain. Everyone needs to think about how do we provide this solution to our customer with the lowest sustainability footprint and the maximum positive benefits from the actual product. Okay, so somebody listening to this podcast, and I kind of think, okay, I get a lot of what we've been talking about, but I'm just one person, you know? I'm interested in becoming an ergonomic officer. Is it possible for one person to make a difference? There's research on this, and the answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good. Uh, But that's, I mean, you can think of it in many ways, but, you know, I'm sitting here in Stockholm, and uh, I think many people all around the world have heard of... um, uh, Greta Thunberg, who uh, decided to do a protest outside 
the parliament in Sweden, and she created a global movement of people that are uh, a youth movement of people that are pushing governments and businesses to take action on climate. Uh, that's an example of one person as in an activist role. But if you think of it in an organisation, uh, I mean, I think there's nothing better than feeling positive about coming to work because you're doing something good. Mm. Uh, so from a personal perspective, I think it's quite rewarding to work with these topics, whether it's an aspect of sustainability or the whole, <laughs> the whole realm of sustainability. Mm. Uh, and I think I would also say that these issues with uh, sustainability topics are not going to disappear until we solve them. Like that's a, just a logic thing. So it's a very good area of uh, work to move into. This is only going to grow. The, the demand for information and uh, expertise in anything to do with sustainability is just expanding exponentially at the moment. And uh, so it's good from a, like a career perspective, I think. Now I'm thinking about the uh, chief economics officers. I think this is a really pioneering initiative from what I've heard. Mm. And there really is a need to have uh, people in organizations that are really being the ambassadors for clean air. It makes so much sense when you think about it with the problems that we have with the planet at the moment, uh, that uh, you know, cleaning the air is actually going to make such a massive difference. And every little one of us making small changes is going to end up with a, a huge thing. As you said, Greta stood outside and she was just, she just started a ball rolling. And every single one of us that steps up to become an ergonomics officer is helping that ball roll uh, a little bit more. If somebody is listening and they kind of think, I want to find out more. Now, obviously, we have our own uh, website, which is chiefergonomicsofficer.com, where people can find out more and they can join in the campaign and stuff like that. But when you're out talking to people, uh, you know, socially, and you explain to them what you do for a living and it comes around to sustainability, and they want to know more, where do you tell people to kind of get more information for themselves? We at The Natural Step, we have our own website, of course, naturalstep.org. There's a lot of information about how to define sustainability or how to work with it. Uh, I think there's a lot of information on YouTube now. There's um, a colleague of mine has created a website called Sustainability Illustrated, which has got a lot of cartoon videos, short videos. It's a really uh, fantastic resource. Many companies are building sustainability knowledge on their intranet internally. Uh, so depending on the type of organization you're in, I think you can find uh, content that is tailored to the industry or the specific type of um, message that companies are promoting. Once you start looking, you keep finding more and more information. Aside from people, what about businesses and organizations? How are they able to take action? So everyone needs to think about if I work in procurement, what's my, how can I help my suppliers um, do something on sustainability? Mm. Or if I'm in sales and marketing, listen to the customers on what they're asking about sustainability. And then, you know, leaders in organizations, they have a, the mandate to set the direction. And then even people in the, the most junior positions in organizations can think about simple steps they could do in their, their part of the business. And then you can go into specific topics like uh, climate, of course, is a, the, the big one that a lot of people are talking about. But you have to think about other environmental topics like water and um, the use of resources, that sort of thing, as well as the social topics as well. So if we want to summarize all of the things that we've talked about, keeping sustainability in mind, how would you summarize our chat today? The message I think I would like to give is that clean air is relevant to all of the pillars of sustainability. It's not an environmental topic on its own. It's also the social aspects and the economic aspects that 
all need to be addressed simultaneously. Richard, uh, you have given us an awful lot of food for thought and you've also given us some great suggestions of where we can find out more about what we are able to do. Uh, I'm going to include the links for thenaturalstep.org and for your own organisation and for Chief Air Economics Officer in the show notes of our podcast right now. And of course, on the chiefairconomicsofficer.com website, you can learn more about this entire topic and join the initiative itself. But for now, uh, Richard, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Do join us next time when we keep you up to date with the latest issues on our Let's Talk Clean Air podcast. To get it automatically, just click the follow button on your player right now. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you for listening. 